And then I had a dream. I had died and I was standing in the clouds. And suddenly this giant TV screen appears in front of me and starts playing back all these scenes from my life. And in it, I see that I am rushing around from thing to thing to thing. I'm accomplishing all these things. I'm working so hard. I'm running myself ragged. And the video screen is zoomed in on me. And I can see myself and just the intensity with which I'm attacking each of these different activities and tasks. And then it starts to zoom out. And I start to see the people around me that I hadn't even noticed at the time. So a friend who is going through a hard time and needs some support. Somebody who really needed a listening ear. You know, just these little moments where I realized that I was missing the people in my life. And what's the point of climbing the ladder of success if it's leaned against the wrong wall? And so there was this big unlock for me where I realized I have got my priorities wrong. That people and these relationships are the thing I really treasure the most. And uh, it's really changed the trajectory of my life. What I, what I knew in that moment is that every time you think you have an answer, every time you think you know anything, <laughs> candidly, uh, whatever it is that you're fixated to becomes a limitation in that moment and stops you from growth and stops you from expansion and stops you from, you know, achieving the fullness of what you can achieve. From that time on, I just stopped doing that. I'm laughing because I, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine around this time. And I was telling her, like, I'm feeling this expansive bliss. Like, life is amazing. And she said, well, what happened? And I said, like, I had to set my coach. And he said, like, you don't have to hold on to that. Like, you can just let it go. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, you can just let it go. She said, I've been working on this thing for 20 years. And you're telling me I can just decide I can let it go? And I said, yeah, like it's all in your head. There's nothing external that's happening. It's all in you. She goes, well, I don't believe you, but I'll give it a shot. And I saw her a week later and she like ran up to me and embraced me. She goes, you're right. You're right. I just let it go and it's gone. My name's Dr. Gary Crotez, and I'm a coach, podcaster, and award-winning author of The Idea Mindset, a book about how to figure out what you want and how to get it. The unlock moment is that flash of remarkable clarity when you suddenly know the right path ahead. When I'm in conversation with my coaching clients, these are the breakthroughs that are so profound that they remember vividly where they were, who they were with, what they were thinking when their unlock moment happened. In this podcast, I'll be meeting and learning about people who have accomplished great things or brought about significant change in their life. And you'll be meeting them with me. We'll be finding out what inspired them, how they got through the hard times and what they learned along the way that they can share with you. Thank you for joining me on this podcast to hear all about another Unlock Moment. 
Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of the Unlock Moment podcast. My regular listeners will have been privileged to hear from many of the world's leading coaches over the last year and a half, from Marshall Goldsmith and Mark Goulston to Whitney Johnson and Carol Kaufman, to name but a few. They're all part of the prestigious Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches Agency, which is a veritable who's who of the global coaching community. Well, today we get to hear from the people who make it all happen and celebrate the launch of their latest book, Becoming Coachable, already an Amazon bestseller. Scott Osman is the CEO of the 100 Coaches Agency, which he co-founded with Marshall Goldsmith in 2016. He's also the co-founder of Methods by 100 Coaches, the online learning platform, and publishes a great LinkedIn newsletter called Insights from 100 Coaches. He has a fascinating background from marketing to the movies, and I can't wait to learn more. Jacqueline Lane is the president of the 100 Coaches Agency, with them since the start and committed to improving the lives of people through elevating the quality of leadership. An engineer by training, she cut her teeth in the oil industry before transitioning into leadership development. Scott and Jacqueline have co-authored a new book together with Marshall Goldsmith called Becoming Coachable, a book that guides readers through the ins and outs of a successful coaching experience. You might have heard Marshall back in episode 36 of The Unlock Moment, bookmark that for later. So now with Becoming Coachable, well, if you want to figure out how to get the most from your relationship with a coach and how to upskill your leadership, then keep listening. And of course, as ever, I'm curious about how two people with such different backgrounds connected as co-authors and how their unlock moments of remarkable clarity shaped the people they are today. Scott Osman and Jacqueline Lane, it's my great pleasure to welcome you both to the Unlock Moment. Great to be here with you, Gary. Thank you, Gary. That was such a lovely yeah. introduction. It's such Beautiful. a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. So delighted you accepted the invitation. Now, first of all, congratulations on the new book. It's just published. What does it feel like, Scott? I know it's your second book and Jacqueline, your first, I think. Um, well, it's been a remarkable journey. We'll get to my unlock moment in a second, but my unlock moment, I think, made the book possible. And then um, we have this amazing community, the 100 Coaches community. Uh, and the 100 Coaches community really informed everything about this book, Becoming Coachable, because we really wanted to understand what is it that, a, that somebody needs to bring to the coaching experience. We, we talk about all the time how the most important ingredient to coaching is the person being coached. And if they are willing and fully invested in the coaching process, they're going to have a great outcome. Um, but what did that mean? Uh, nobody had really ever written a book about it or really thought that much about it. So that was, that was a big part of what this became. But then uh, after we were about two-thirds of the way into the process, we realized that there was another thing missing. Uh, and it was really our passion to figure out, like, to what end coaching. Interesting. Um, and the third part of the book is all about human flourishing, which is why we do what we do and why coaches do what they do. Fantastic. Really yeah. interesting. And Jacqueline, for you, first book. Yeah. Oh, it was such an amazing process to do this with people that are friends and heroes. You know, um, I was just reflecting on this that, you know, five, six years ago when I was in a corporate job, I picked up a copy of What Got You Here Won't Get You There and How Women Rise, which Marshall was uh, the author and along uh, on How Women Rise, he co-authored that with Sally Helgeson. And I remember reading those books and they just completely changed my life and really set me on a different trajectory which just goes to show the power of certain ideas. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I remember at the time thinking, wow, I wish I could thank Marshall. I wish I could just shake his hand and tell him what a difference <laughs> he's made in my life. And now to, to be a co-author with Marshall and to be on this amazing journey together to work so closely is really the privilege of a lifetime. And, you know, this whole project mm -hmm. 
you know, we're three different generations, lots of different skills and experiences and perspectives. And yet writing the book was so natural. It really feels like three mm-hmm. voices, but one message. It was really come together so nicely. It was, it was far easier than I think people would expect. <laughs> yeah. In hindsight, I think, in hindsight, <laughs> in the process I, I think writing, pretty, writing pretty a book rigorous. is always hard. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. But we were all three very values aligned yeah. and message aligned at every step of the way. So uh, that part, at least, was easy. It was fun. Fantastic. And fun. And fun. I'm looking forward to hearing more. Now, we'll come on to the book. But here on The Unlock Moment, of course, I'm curious about you as people. I always ask this question to get us started. Where do we need to start in your journey to understand the person you are today? And I'm going to ask Jacqueline, you maybe to start on that. Yeah, I think my real journey of becoming uh, starts for me in, in college, you know, I think that's a very formative time for mm-hmm. a lot of people as you're trying to decide and determine who you are, what it is you feel called to do with the rest of your life. And, you know, I remember some very, some pivotal moments in there were some, some ideas that set me on a different trajectory. I started off, as you mentioned, as an engineer. Uh, well, I come from a very long line of engineers. It's the family, mm-hmm. family profession, but I've always been a huge lover of people. And again, I think those, those wheels really started to turn for me in college. Was there a moment when you think back, I mean, when people talk about the unlock moment and when I say to them, that's an unlock moment or that isn't an unlock moment, what's an unlock moment is the one way you think back and you remember exactly where you were and who you were with and what you were thinking in that moment when you had some kind of flash of remarkable clarity about the path ahead. Does something come to mind for you when you think about that idea? Yeah, the the moment that really stands out, there's there's two of these moments. I seem to have these uh, dreams that really speak to me. That's where I've gotten these flashes of insight and things suddenly become very clear. And it's one of those things that once you see it, you can never unsee it. Mm. And so for me, one of those moments was in college. I had, you know, as many do, worked very hard, was very involved in lots of activities, was committed to getting, you know, great grades and um, trying to be in leadership roles in different uh, organizations on campus. And then I had a dream. I think it was the first week or second week of my senior year of college. And in it, I had, I had died and I was, you know, standing in the clouds and suddenly this giant TV screen appears in front of me and starts playing back all these scenes from my life. Mm. And in it, I see that I am rushing around from thing to thing to thing. I'm accomplishing all these things. I'm working so hard. I'm running myself ragged. And the video screen is zoomed in on me. And I can see myself and just the intensity with which I'm attacking each of these different activities and tasks. And then it starts to zoom out and I start to see the people around me that I wouldn't, that I hadn't even noticed at the time. So a friend who is going through a hard time and needs some support, uh, somebody who, who really needed a listening ear or, you know, just these little moments where I realized that I was missing the people in my life. And what's the point of climbing the ladder of success if it's leaned against the wrong wall? And so there was this big unlock for me where I realized I have got my priorities wrong, that people and these relationships are the thing I really treasure the most. Uh, And once I saw that, I felt like Mm -hmm. I could never unsee it. And uh, it's really changed the trajectory of my life. That's an amazing story. I only have dreams that vivid when I've had too much cheese. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm a, as, a, as a cheese lover, maybe that's my problem. That might be the thing. That might be that the cheese created the unlock. Okay, that could be a chapter of my upcoming book, you know, how to have an unlock moment eat enough cheese. But no, fascinating. That idea, what did you say? There's no point climbing the ladder of success if it's leaning against the wrong wall. That's right. I love that. Wow. How interesting. Scott, for you, where do we need to start in your story to understand who you are today? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump uh, later <laughs> uh, because it's so relevant to the book. I, I had had a life of uh, just amazing things. I was just very fortunate that way that I got to try many different things. They're all, they're all great. And here I had started the 100 Coaches community and the 100 Coaches agency. And uh, Jacqueline and I had started it about three years ago. And I'm um, sort of going along. Things are great. And Jacqueline sort of very casually one day said, uh, you know, you don't have to be right about everything. And like, it kind of took me back. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? And, um, and she said, you know, you, you have a lot of answers. Your answers are good answers, but you know, you don't, you don't have to have all the answers. And I, I sat with that for a moment. And then um, I had been looking for a coach for a while. And whenever I went for a coach, the coach would say, like, what do you want to work on? I'd say, like, life is good. And coach would say, well, then you don't need a coach. Uh, and I met a coach um, around the time Jacqueline was giving me this little bit of feedback. Uh, <laughs> I met a coach and, um, and we started talking and I said the same thing to him. And he said, well, well, great. If you don't have anything to work on, let's work on expansion. And the idea of working on expansion was such an unlock for me. Um, and I've come to realize that really the combination of those two thoughts uh, work together. Jacqueline thought you don't have to have all the answers. And my coach's name is Jean. Jean's thought like work on expansion. The idea that you have to have all the answers is actually an incredible constraint, right? That you're putting this limitation on yourself by thinking that you need to have the answer and thinking about letting go of everything and then just working on expansion created a, a series of events that candidly culminated in the book and everything in the book. Uh, all made possible by that, like one, my like unlock moment that I could probably tell you the time and date, uh, and and certainly relive the moment that it happened. Mm. It's so interesting. I've, I've had so many people on the podcast who who take you back into that very moment. Now, say, I mean, Michael Ibrahim came on the podcast, who's leading ex Gallup coach, and she said, you know, I was stuck at the stoplight on Rosa Parks Way in Lincoln, Nebraska, and the car in front of me, a jeep, had on the back of it, life right. is good, and I thought mine isn't. And, 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 and she could, wow. and she knew what the weather was. And I think the great thing about podcasting is that as, as I have more of these conversations with people, I'm also understanding more about what really what an unlock moment is and what it does. One of the things that I'm finding with people when it really is something that, uh, I think Jacqueline, you said it, it was not clear before and then it was clear and forever clear. That, that's mm -hmm. a real characteristic thing that people say. They go, once I knew it, I, I always knew it. It was, it was never foggy again. Yeah. There's something about, it's a moment of knowing something you didn't know before. It's not necessarily a moment of deciding something different. It's not necessarily a moment of acting, but it's a moment of knowing. So Scott, when you yeah. think about that work on expansion, what uh -huh. did you know then that you didn't know before that moment of clarity? Yeah, it's like such a perfect question. What I, what I knew in that moment that has really changed my life is that every time you think you have an answer, every time you think you know anything, uh, candidly, uh, whatever it is that you're fixated to becomes a limitation in that moment. 
and stops you from growth and stops you from expansion and stops you from, you know, achieving the fullness of what you can achieve. And from that time on, I just stopped doing that. Right. I just stopped. I, I instead, what Gene and I have worked on is I, I pick a spot on the horizon sort of metaphorically. And I say, that's the direction I want to go in. But I don't say, I don't, I don't put metrics on it. I don't define it. I just say directionally, this is where I want to go. And then this is what I'm going to do today to get there. Um, and that is such a shift that, um, and it's, and, and what's great about it, it's not just a shift, but it's a shift combined with the daily practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's really something that I work on implementing every time that I notice myself saying like, this is, this is the number I want to hit or this is the whatever. I just remind myself that thought is a thought I have to let go. Yeah. And how does that feel in that moment? Oh, it feels, I mean, Liberating. I, I would describe it as uh, blissfully expansive. It feel it just felt light and liberating, and I mean, just you know, it's a different kind of growth. Kind of growth. I mean, like I said, I, I have no complaints. Like my life has been full of amazing adventures and things that I've done, and like constrained by my own thinking. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, in its own way, it's unconstrained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and you're right. It feels it feels amazing and liberating and light and all the things that we want to feel in life. And it's so interesting. And I want listeners listening to this to hear something that's really powerful because you, you both articulate it so well. The power of coaching that is impactful comes from uh-huh. you, the person doing the thinking, doing the work. I'm working at the moment with a number of senior leaders, C-suite leaders who are at the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of how constrained they feel right now. And when you're in that place, it's really hard to even imagine the beginnings of what you're describing here and, and how you're talking. And I think that it's really powerful to hear that and say, actually, it is possible as a senior leader, as somebody that's running something of, of significant scale and complexity and pace and stress and all those kinds of things, that you don't have to be in a sort of tied up in a knot trying to um, do that. And that's where coaching can be really powerful. I think that really surprises people, but you're exactly right. We're so clear about where it is that we're going as an agency and as an organization, Mm -hmm. but without the constraints of certain numbers or certain timelines that we we know we're going to get there. I'm laughing because I I was having a conversation with a friend of mine around this time that this was happening to me. And I was telling her, like, I'm feeling this expansive bliss. Like, life is amazing. And she said, well, what happened? And I said, like, I had to set my coach and he said, like, you don't have to hold on to that. Like, you can just let it go. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, you can just let it go. She said, I've been working on this thing for 20 years and you're telling me I can just decide I can let it go. And I said, yeah, like, it's all in your head. There's nothing external that's happening. It's all in you. She goes, well, I don't believe you, but I'll give it a shot. And I saw her a week later and she like ran up to me and embraced me. And she goes, you're right. You're right. I just let it go and it's gone. I love that. I love that. So give us an overview of your new book, Becoming Coachable. What, what was the need that you think 
led to we've got to write this book? You know, it's so funny. When we first sat down and had conversations about this, uh, we were really surprised to learn that there really hadn't been any books written on how to be coachable. There are all these books written on how to be a good coach and how to use the coaching skill set as a leader. But interestingly, this was kind of a gap uh, in the literature. Mm -hmm. And and yet it's something that uh, we think is so important. This was consistently over and over now. We've seen, gosh, a few hundred Mm -hmm. different coaching engagements over the last few years. And when we sat down to really think about what makes them successful, what makes the best ones the most successful, it was because the leader is very coachable. And on, we yeah. interviewed well over 25 people for this book, you know, all of them top coaches globally. And the, the results and the feedback from them was the same. It all depends on how coachable the person is. Uh, and so that was really the insight. And we wanted mm-hmm. to share with people, how do you then become somebody who's coachable so you can get the most out of this? You know, whether you're getting coached by an executive coach or just engaging in the coaching process with your peers, direct reports, your manager, because all of us can benefit from gaining feedback, perspective, being held accountable towards our goals. Yeah. And Gary, you've written a book, so you know this experience. And then like the book becomes Mm -hmm. like its own organism. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) We go into writing the book. We think we know what we're, you know, we're going to write about becoming coachable. Because we all know, like the most important part of coaching and blah, blah, all that stuff. So we get in there and we're writing the book and then we're like, oh, like that's good. <laughs> but I think there's, there's more here to us. There's more that we want to say about this because, and it is like part three, it's called to what end? Because literally that's, that was the question we asked ourselves after we had written two thirds of the book. Although at that time we thought we had written all of the book. <laughs> uh, we like looked at each other like, to, like, well, to what end? Like why, why do coaching? Is it, is it really just about being a better leader? And we knew because we had seen this a lot, that a lot of coaching is not just about being a better leader. It's actually helping you to become a better human being. Mm -hmm. Like you can't become a better leader without having that, like work in the rest of your life. You're like, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be a great leader and still be a lousy spouse. So, so the first part of it was this conversation that became chapter nine between me and Marshall and, and Jacqueline about to what end about being a better leader means being a better human being. But even that wasn't really the reason why any of us want to be better leaders, right? I mean, true leaders don't just want to like help the company do better or they, they may start that way. And then when they, the company does better, they realize like that isn't just not enough. They really want to create what we now call, well, what a lot of people call human flourishing, uh, which is that all the people who are interacting with you and the company, it's the employees of the company for sure. Uh, ideally, it's the, it's the customers. Uh, it's the people who are in the communities around the company, like all of those people, you have a leader who becomes a better leader and all of those people start to flourish. And that, like, that is what we're in the business to do is to help leaders become better leaders, better human beings and create more human flourishing. Cause that's the only place it's going to happen. Yeah. So, so in a way, I think coaching can be a helpful facilitator to help them get to that moment of unlock. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think some people, they need permission they, or they sometimes feel like they need permission to dream a little bit bigger. But there's something about the relationship yeah. between a coach and a client that can unlock something in them. I, I, we also, I'm trying to remember who told me this first, but it's, it's become such a thing. Coaching is an unnatural act. Leadership. Is- leadership, sorry. Leadership is an unnatural act. Cut that out. <laughs> uh, leadership is an unnatural act. 
I mean, you think about it like your whole life, uh, especially people who are in positions of leadership, probably their whole life, they've been achieving and excelling and getting gold stars and winning and everything else. And there you are and you work your way up the corporation, winning, 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 right? You keep getting another promotion, everything else. Then you finally become a leader and nobody tells you this before you become a leader. And hopefully you find it out when you're a leader. Many people don't, but then you're a leader and all of a sudden the entire focus is on everybody around you winning and you facilitate their winning. Maybe you get credit for it. Maybe you don't get credit for it. Maybe you get recognition. Maybe you're like so amazing at what you do that it looks seamless. But the reality is great leaders make everybody around them look spectacular. And they're not looking at credit. I mean, that's, that's how we call, that's what we talk about leadership today. Mm-hmm. And getting over that hurdle of not having to win all the time is really tough. And it's not taught in business school. And, you know, your mentor may whisper it to you, but he's not going to hold you accountable for it. Mm-hmm. And that's where a coach really can help people excel. It's what we see our great coaches doing with their coaches all the time. It's like, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. You don't have to do the work. You have to create space and help. I mean, this Alan Mullally, you know, one of the greatest CEOs of all time, uh, his whole working together framework is about making sure that everybody on the team is operating at their peak capacity because then the entire company works at their peak capacity. And when you're talking about that, I'm, I'm remembering back to episode 41 of the Unlock Moment when Gary Ridge came on. And he talked about servant leadership. So everything that you're saying here, I think that if you're listening and resonating with what Scott's saying there, go and have a listen to Gary talking about servant leadership at WD40 Company. It's fascinating, you know, the things that they they did and the impact it had on their people. Now, my longtime listeners will know about my obsession with words. And a word that keeps coming to my head through this conversation is actually becoming. You know, you've, Mm. you've chosen to use the word becoming in the title of the book, you could have called it something else. You could have said how to be coachable or be coachable or something like that, be used becoming. But also, Jacqueline, the, one of the first things you said was on my journey of becoming. I wrote it down because it was yeah, such yeah. an interesting phrase. What does becoming signify for you? And why mm. is that the word that you've used in the title of the book? Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. It's, I agree, becoming just feels like a delicious word. Um, and, you know, the, it's just this idea of the process and the journey and the growth. And, you know, I think we've both come to this beautiful realization mm. that we never really arrive. Mm. And that isn't that the, one of the best parts of life. Isn't that one of the best parts of, of coaching and being coachable? We never, you know, and even when we talk about our openness framework and, you know, and part of the reason we use becoming coachable is because there's no such thing as arriving. We can always become more coachable. Mm-hmm. We can always become better leaders. We never reach this point of mastery and greatness, although, you know, I, I hope we all yeah. aspire yeah. Uh, to reach that pinnacle. But I love the idea that we can always become more open become better. Yeah. I, um, I have to confess. So, um, a couple decades in branding, uh, which is very, you know, very enamored with words and the use of words and how they sound and how they look together and every, like every aspect of it. So becoming coachable, just, it's got such a great action to it, Mm -hmm. right? It's got motion and movement and it feels good and everything. And I, I didn't realize until I think a month after the book went to press, probably when I got the hands on the book for the first time I started that um, 
when we originally set off to write the book, you know, our, our original concept was this was going to be a guide to becoming coachable, you know, and give you the information you need. Like the book is three parts now, you know, the first sets out like, here's the world of coaching. so you can understand it. The second is becoming coachable and there's to what end. And what I didn't realize is, um, and it had to do with some stories that started getting interjecting into it. I didn't realize that it's a little bit of an autobiography also. Uh, that in some sense, becoming coachable is, is my journey to becoming coachable. It's my story. I mean, it starts off at the very beginning. Like I was not always coachable. It's kind of like, kind of sort of the first line of the book. And it is. And, and I think that, again, it, it just happened. But I think it's super powerful to know that, that we can become coachable that this is something that's accessible, I think, to everybody. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of transformation is possible. We talk a lot about TrimTab. TrimTab is a Buckminster Fuller concept, but it's, it's really based on how, how big ships turn. So big ships have an enormous rudder on the back of them. It's, the rudder's so big that the wheel at the helm can't actually turn the rudder because there's too much water pressure. On the back of the rudder, there's a little tiny rudder called the TrimTab. And the trim tab initiates the turn. And once the turn's initiated, the momentum of the ship, you can turn the rudder and the momentum of the ship turns the ship. We think that becoming coachable is that kind of trim tab event mm. where you can initiate the turn towards becoming coachable. You can, as happened to me, you can become open to change. And when you become open to change, you can become open to feedback. When you become open to feedback, you can become open to taking action. And then when you've done that, you can be open to being held accountable. And one after the other, very slowly, almost without noticing it, you become coachable. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I often, um, so I used to be a professional competitive ballroom dancer with my wife. Mm. And we used to travel around the world, do ballroom dancing competitions. We trained in Italy, and I often actually talk about the connection between dance and coaching on that topic. Earlier when, Scott, you were talking about the impact of your journey and how that made you feel, and now here you're talking about trim tabs and initiation of turn. In advanced modern world-level ballroom dancing, there's a term for the initiation of turn that comes before the full turning action. And the term for it, interestingly, is lightness. That's what they call it. They say lightness. the lightness, as in, you know, it, it becoming lighter. Without that little oh. initiation of action, your turns always look heavy as a dancer. So you have to do this almost wow. imperceptible movement. But isn't mm. that interesting that that thing you're describing in trim tabs has a name in the dance world and the name yeah. is the thing you described in I earlier. love that I love so that. much. I and that. that I think there, you know, another word that, that comes out of that is this idea of liminal, you know, that space in between the step between, or, uh, you know, as you're taking the step and it's in that motion, in that lightness, Hmm. you can now really go anywhere. You've, you've unweighted, right. It's the same. So funny. I was thinking skiing, skiing yeah. is when you're, when you're, when you're skier, like your turns, you unweight and then like, then you can turn and which is, that's liminal, right. It's, you have to be, you have to be unweighted to be able to make a turn. And then, gosh, wouldn't it be great to just be unweighted all the time? Hmm. How interesting. Now, mm-hmm. I know that most of our listeners are going to be with us and there'll be a few that are the skeptics in the room. So mm-hmm. for the skeptics, 
language you've used around becoming coachable, things like humility, love, and service. And I remember, mm. I think it was episode 53 of The Unlocked Moment, I had John Baldoni come on and he talked about sure. grace and all of that. And some of the people who listened to that episode came back to me and said, well, you know, we can't do that in our organization. We're not like those kind of people, you know. For the leaders who, who struggle with the idea of attaching those kinds of words to leadership, what do you say? I'd say read Hubert Jolie's book, The Heart of Business, uh, <laughs> because he is certainly a leader who has embraced that and has, you know, created one of the greatest successes of all time. I would say, um, man, uh, Alan, Alan Mulally, who uh, his philosophy of leadership was love and be loved in that order. Uh, and he created a, you know, at Ford during a time of great struggle, uh, you know, created a situation where people em embraced each other and learned how to work together. I, I, th I think that there's an old notion of leadership. That's that command and control thing that says, you know, I'm going to tell people what to do and they're going to do it. And I just don't think for two reasons, the world works that way anymore. Number one, like organizations are so much more complex than the command and control. Or, I mean, you can do that when you're like in a factory and everybody is worried about their job. But when you have knowledge workers and complex organizations and matrix report, then you just can't, you just can't make that work. And then the other thing is, I don't think that the younger worker today will tolerate it, hmm. right? I mean, they want, I, I mean, we're seeing, and, and this has been, I mean, I've seen this coming for decades, but it is in full bloom now. People don't want to work at companies, like talented people. You know, we're talking about the, the people who have real choices at where they want to work. They want to work at a place that, you know, for lack of a better word, they love and feel loved. Hmm. And if they don't, they're going to move to someplace where they will. Right. It reminds me of, you know, legendary CEO, Frances Hesselbein. Mm. She was uh, the CEO of the Girl Scouts and Peter Drucker famously called her the greatest CEO in America. And I love her quote, work is love made visible. Mm. Right. You know, our, our love made manifest. Yeah. That's what we, that's what we get to do and work. You know, if we allow it to be, it can really be a calling and a way that we find deep personal fulfillment and make the impact that we want to make in the world. Right. Now, in, in fairness to these people who are skeptics, I get it. It feels risky. And especially if it doesn't feel natural to you, you know, leaders like everybody else are, are human and they're flawed and they have to work on things. And with a coach, they'll, you know, I'd say try it, but I know that's like jumping off a cliff sometimes for people to say, like, I'm going to, instead of telling my people what to do, I'm just going to love them and... <laughs> You know, <laughs> and, and they're going to do the right thing. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we're there. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, and come back to what you were saying before about it feels like permission to do something differently and to think differently, to act differently, to journey. And some of those examples, people that you're, you're talking about are people who, to some extent, probably don't mind if other people don't approve of what they're doing, don't agree with what they're doing. You know, Gary Ridge, another you know, great example of that. He's going, this is how I want to lead. This is how, who mm -hmm. I am as a leader. I'm going to show up as a fully authentic leader. That's a really powerful thing. So I think when people are thinking, you know, I couldn't bring that, the question really the coach would be asking is, well, why not? You know, what, what's yeah. stopping you? What's in your way to do that? I, I think Gary's an amazing example because... You know, on the one hand, as we know Gary really well, 
On the one hand, you could say, Gary doesn't care what anybody else thinks. He's going to lead his own way. On the other hand, he reports to a board who, if he's not delivering numbers in a way that they believe, uh, they're going to fire him. And he has employees who are rating him all the time on how good a leader he is. Uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure you know, uh, he's probably one of the highest rated leaders of all time. Hmm. I mean, he had some crazy, like 97%, 97%. Yeah, some crazy, crazy number. Hmm. Um, so try it, you know? Yeah. So someone's listening here and they're going, I'm really coachable. I'm ready to be coached. I know how to be coached. I just don't have a coach. Mm -hmm. what's, the, what's the best way to find a coach? And, and how do you know, if you've never had a coach before, how can you figure out whether this is the right coach for you? What are you looking for? Mm. Yeah, such a good question. And this is uh, obviously something that we are, are deeply yeah. involved with in our day to day. So, of course, happy to share a little bit about that. You know, as a preliminary uh, answer to your question, though, I'll say that the whole, I think it's chapter three two or three of our book is really focused on that question specifically, mm -hmm. how to find a coach, how to know if it's the right fit, what to expect, especially if you've not ever been coached before and you just want more information about the process. I do recommend that people check out that mm -hmm. chapter of becoming coachable because I, I think yeah. that'll be illuminating for them and help set them off on that journey. Uh, we do outline a few different ways that people can go about finding a coach or other resource but certainly we all, I mean, that's what we do. Yeah. I mean, we have a process and, um, and the process was born out of, I think it'd be instructive for people. It was born out of our recognition that it is really hard. Like we now know like lots of coaches We're deep in the experience. So we have a pretty good sense of, of what's going on. Um, but one of the things that struck me early on is the information asymmetry around coaching is amazing. Hmm. Like most people haven't met more than a handful of coaches. So they really don't know. What's the difference between good and bad coach? And most coaches don't coach that many people when you really think about it to get a good survey of what makes somebody coachable or not. They just know what their interactions are. To make matters worse, a good coach for one person might not be a good coach for another person. It doesn't make them a bad coach, just makes it a bad fit. So our process makes it possible to connect great people with great coaches. But I think it's somewhat replicable for everybody. So I'll describe it. So our process begins simply with discovery. Very often when someone calls up a coach, they're having a conversation, you know, the coach is trying to figure out like, is this person coachable? Is it the right person for me? And then when they figure out that the person's coachable and is a good, they think it's a good fit. They're like, how do I sell this person on becoming my coachee? In our discovery process, we have none of that. All we're trying to do is figure out who this person is. Um, and I think that someone looking for a coach might do the same thing and say, instead of trying to figure out, is this a right coach for you? Start by talking to three or five coaches and learning about coaching and learning about different coaching styles and get a little bit of a sense of what's out there. Mm -hmm. Because our second, our second part of it, we call curation. So first is discovery, then curation. After we have a sense of who the person is and what their need is for coaching, then we pick three different coaches who we think are different enough from each other to create a, a, a real challenge to the person who's being coached about what they really need from coaching. And then we share that back so they, they know why we pick them and what that looks like. So again, a person looking for coaches, talk to five people, try to pick the people who are different from each other so that you get a sense not of like, I don't want to pick between two of the same people. I want to pick, I want to get a sense of what it could be and then have that deeper conversation. We call that the, 
the chemistry call, right? So you have a chemistry call with each of the three coaches. Again, don't even try to decide at that point. Just see like, does this feel like the person I want to be honest and authentic with? Does this feel like the person who understands me? And, you know, most importantly, I think, do they have, uh, I don't even know what this means, but I'll just say the unlock that I need mm-hmm. to get me to where I want to go. And that's a little nebulous, but I think we know it when we hear it. Like we hear mm-hmm. that. So we have a third call with people and like, here's what we heard in, the, in the, our coaching calls and here's who we want to work with. All too frequently, although we're kind of proud of it. The answer is, I love them all. I can't decide. <laughs> uh, and then we and we go through the conversation about like why you loved each of them and everything else. People do know after that process which coach they really need to go with. They they feel bad about saying no to the other two, but that's okay. I and mean, that's just part of the process. But I think really being very intentional about it. Don't don't look for the coach right away. At least spend a moment, a beat, to understand what you need to know. Uh, and then go into the process. I think that's a fair. Absolutely. That's, that's the, that approach has been working really well with our clients. Yeah. And again, what you said there connects with what you said earlier when you were talking about when you let go of worrying about how you're going to get to a specific end goal and just trust mm. the process a bit more. And here you're saying, let go a little bit of, I have to achieve these five things in six sessions and therefore these are the metrics and more the gut feel for who is the person I can be, you said, be honest and authentic with. That's so powerful. I'm working with somebody at the moment where that's the differentiator that they needed mm-hmm. somebody that they could have a conversation with that they're not having with anybody else. And that's right. what's yeah. ultimately going to make the coaching successful. I wrote the idea mindset in my book, the D in idea stands for direction. And what I say in the book is it's not about knowing the end goal. All mm-hmm. you need to know is the decision you're going to make tomorrow. In this case, you know, which coach you're going to select. You don't need to worry right. too much about exactly where this is going to be in six to 12 months' time, so long as you're right. setting off in a good direction at the beginning. We, but you have some yeah. ideas about what that looks like. We have a section in our book, uh, it sounds very aligned, it's called The Destination is Unknown. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Sounds very Alice in Wonderland. If you walk away from the mountain, you will end up on top of it eventually, something like yeah. that. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Fantastic. If you could wave a magic wand with people receiving coaching in 2023, what's something that you'd like them to do differently as a coachee? You know, I, I, I got to say, we are, it almost feels like we're watching people wave magic wands mm-hmm. uh, with the coaching that we're, I mean, we're just, we're just seeing people transform left and right through coaching. It is, mm-hmm. it is astonishing. If I were to say one thing though, and, and this would just be a recommendation for everybody going into coaching. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's sort of the essence of the openness framework is just, we'll find our own way to say this, but breathe into the process, relax mm. the process, like let it do its thing because it really works. Right. Yeah. Coaching it, Marshall. I love Marshall has a thing. He says, he says, uh, if you do the work, it always works. It doesn't sometimes work. It doesn't often work. It always works. The thing that always gets in the way is when you don't do the work. Hmm. That's really interesting. Uh, Claire Pedrick, who's a master coach here in the UK, came on the podcast and she was talking about going walking with people. And she said, if you walk alongside someone for long enough, eventually they'll tell you why they're there. Mm. And she said she, she goes up with, with coaches and coaches on long walks in the hills in, in rural England. And she said she was walking alongside somebody and it was the seventh time they'd walked together when she suddenly said, can I tell you why I'm here? And she said, you just mm. have to walk for long enough. 
Um, and there's something in that about yeah. trust the process, go with the process. You know, Claire authored Simplifying Coaching, which is an amazing book on coaching. It doesn't have to be complicated. It just works mm. when it's right, when it's the right partnership, yeah. it's right. I, so. think, I think that's the power of great relationships. Mm. You know, and when we're in that right pairing, that right match, which is why we really emphasize that chemistry, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it really does unlock things for people. And it's, it's incredible yes. to see. And I would encourage people to be open to the idea of coaching. You know, if you, if you're someone who recognizes that there's an area in your life that you can grow and be better, then you can benefit from coaching. Now that doesn't mean that I mean, you, who doesn't I have mean, an area in their life that couldn't be better. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And it doesn't I even, mean, it doesn't even matter what you, what you do. You could be a yeah. lawyer, a surgeon, you know, anything, a parent, a friend, if there's an area of your life that you want growth, just be open to that idea of growth mm-hmm. in that area. And I think oftentimes when the student is ready, the teacher appears, yeah. right? You know, the right coach, the right resource, the right accountability partner often appears when we're open to it. You know, having been around coaching now, like totally immersed in it for I don't know, a long time. Coaching looks like an almost unfair competitive advantage. You know, I mean, there's a lot of analogies. People talk about like coaching in sports and uh, you'd never, I mean, the U.S. Open was just here in New York. So uh, you'd never imagine a top tennis player saying like, I don't need a coach. (laughs) Like my game is good enough. Right. And I guess that's kind of the thing. Like if your life is your game, is it ever good enough? Right. Isn't there always something in your life that if if someone could help you make it better, your life would be better. The people around you's lives would be better. And if you can, you know, if you can justify the cost of it, both time and money. Right. Then, uh, man, that just seems like the easiest investment in the world. What an amazing way to land. Uh, it's been a fantastic conversation. How can people find out more about you and the agency and the work that you do? Well, you can certainly follow along on uh, becomingcoachable.com. That's where you can find mm-hmm. more information about our book uh, and get a copy on Amazon and, and other things like that. We'll, there'll be some additional resources that are going to get added to that website here in the coming weeks. Uh, so uh, really excited if anyone right. listening wants to, to log yeah, into the that. The agency is at uh, 100coaches.com, 100coaches.com or agency.100coaches.com. Jacqueline and I are both on LinkedIn and we love we love being connected with people. That's that is something we totally share in common. So we love hearing from people, connecting with them. I, of course, have the uh, LinkedIn newsletter that Jacqueline mentioned uh, and love that. It's apparently, it's, um, it's a way people follow my life <laughs> and experience. I didn't really think about starting it. I do indeed follow your life through your newsletter. So um, it's been a great pleasure to follow over the last few months. Thank you. I, and I, I, I have to say, I, I love, this was, I, I think I mentioned this before, this, like one of the amazing experiences of the book was so you, you write the book the book is done you think you've written a book uh, and then people read the book and they share it back with you and you realize like the book that you wrote is not necessarily the same book that they read and now you're in a dialogue with them and your understanding of what you wrote just flourishes and enhances and i love that and uh, and same thing happens on the on the newsletter <laughs> sometimes i write something in the newsletter and people are commenting on my i didn't think that's what i wrote but I love that. It's all a journey, isn't it? The unlock moment is that flash of remarkable clarity when you suddenly know the right path ahead. For Scott Osman and Jacqueline Lane, it was finding a calling in curating a world-leading panel of coaches that gave them purpose and intention 
to make leaders around the world better and more impactful. Find their new book, Becoming Coachable, on Amazon and in all great bookstores. Jacqueline and Scott, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for your insights and inspiration and for joining me today on The Unlock Moment. Oh, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure. We're so grateful. Thank you, Gary. This has been The Unlock Moment, a podcast with me, Dr. Gary Crotez. Thank you for listening in. You can find out more about how to figure out what you want and how to get it in my book, The Idea Mindset. Find me on Instagram at Dr. Gary Crotez and subscribe to this podcast to get notified about future episodes. Most listeners to this podcast on Apple and Spotify haven't yet hit the follow button. If there's one thing you can do right now to help me out, then please click the follow button. The more followers I have, the better guests I can attract for you to learn from. Thanks again for listening and join me again soon here on the Unlock Moment.